0: Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes graphic descriptions of drugs, gore, and animal death. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. He's waiting for you beyond the glass, a hook for a hand, bees buzzing over his body, blood dripping off his hands. Say his name five times, and he'll reach out and touch you, wrenching your stomach out of your body with his hook hand. He's the Candyman, a creation of the silver screen. So how have his crimes bled into reality? Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast Original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, we take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted real places on Earth and share their stories. This episode is part of our Urban Legends Halloween Special. Every day for the month of October, we're presenting our spooky spin on an urban legend, then diving into the history of the horror. Like it or not, each terrifying tale contains a grain of truth. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCastNetwork. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Listen to more episodes of Haunted Places and all ParCast Originals on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we examine The Candyman, a villain who started in a horror film but quickly became an online urban legend. This transformation came from his connection to both other urban myths and a handful of eerily similar real-life murders. The tale of the Candyman shares much in common with the more ubiquitous Bloody Mary. In order to conjure the sinister figure, you must stand in front of a mirror and speak his name five times. When the last syllable is uttered, the lights go out. His breath passes over the back of his victim's neck before he plunges his hook hand into their abdomen. The Candyman is a relatively recent urban legend. The first entry in what would become a three-film franchise, 1992's Candyman, is based on a short story by Clive Barker, the creator of Hellraiser. Barker is known for his evocative character design, and The Candyman is no exception. The first film follows an anthropologist who becomes obsessed with a mysterious figure who haunts the Chicago housing projects, leaving victim after victim eviscerated with his hook hand after they summon him by saying his name five times into a mirror. The anthropologist discovers that the Candyman is actually the spirit of a successful black artist and businessman who was lynched after falling in love with a white woman. The mob covered him in honey and left him for the bees, who stung him to death as the crowd chanted, Candyman. So, by saying his name aloud, future victims are taunting him to exact terrible vengeance, even if they don't believe in him. Damien hated scary movies, He didn't even like walking down the street at night, much less watching some girl running from a psycho on a 60-foot screen. But his friends had bullied him into a late-night showing, and he couldn't come up with an excuse fast enough to get out of it. By the time the first character's head had been bashed through with an axe, Damien could feel his heart racing. He needed air, a place to cool down, and something that would settle his nerves. So... Damien snuck out of the auditorium and made a call at the payphone. His friend, Norman, had exactly what Damien needed to bring his body down chemically. A little date with the enchanting Miss Mary Jane. All Damien had to do was wait 15 minutes for his friend to get here. Then he could ride the high and not have to worry about finding axe murderers by the popcorn machine. Rather than head back into the bloodbath, Damien headed for the bathroom. He splashed some cold water on his face and washed his hands. Something lingered in the periphery of the mirror, just outside his vision. He was sure he saw movement. But when he looked behind him, there was nothing. The bathroom was empty. He checked his watch. Time was moving remarkably slow. Damien studied the door. The ushers hated when teens lingered in the lobby and he couldn't go back to the movie yet. Another man stepped towards the sink. Bloodshot, tired eyes glanced at Damien through the mirror. The sky looked as high as Damien wanted to be. He washed his hands and sized Damien up. Damien smiled, a little too broadly. The other man asked why he was just standing around. Didn't he have somewhere to be? Damien's eyes went to his own reflection, he mumbled that he was meeting his candy man in a few minutes, and he figured the bathroom was the best place to lay low until then. The other man couldn't hear him. Damien repeated himself. The man laughed at him and asked if he had a death wish. Damien didn't understand. The man looked around the room for a second, checking to see if they were alone. He leaned in close to Damien, his breath smelling of beer, weed, and popcorn. Everyone knew you didn't say that word in the bathroom. Damien raised an eyebrow in question. The man shook his head, clearly irritated at Damien's ignorance. Candyman, it's a bad word to say when there's a mirror nearby. Damien asked what the harm was. The man's eyes grew unfocused as he spoke. Say it once, no big deal. Twice, maybe you're just a little confused. Five times, there's no saving you. The laughter burst out of Damien's throat before he could stop it. It was too outlandish. The man just stared at him. It wasn't funny, he said. It was real. Not some Bloody Mary kid story, but a real phenomenon. His best friend's cousin had died that way. Damien was bored and he needed to kill time. So, he asked what happened when someone said canned the C word five times. The other man said he wasn't entirely certain of the specifics, but he knew a few things. There was a man in the mirror with a hook for a hand, surrounded by buzzing bees. He would take you apart, piece by piece with this hook, as the bees circle you both. Damien nodded at the man as though he'd received some great secret. He told him he'd be more careful about saying Candyman now. The other man's eyes widened and Damien covered his mouth in mock horror. He'd be more careful starting now. The man stared at him for a moment and then walked away. Damien studied his own reflection in the mirror. It was obscured by a small dark patch that seemed to pull light in, like a tiny reflective black hole. Damien leaned forward and started to wipe at the glass. His sleeve came away relatively clean. He stared into the dark spot. He felt like someone was watching him. Damien turned. All of the stall doors were open. As far as he knew, he was alone. He looked back to the mirror. At the sound of the door slamming, Damien whipped around again. The main door to the bathroom was swinging gently. He waited for someone to walk through, but no one came. He walked towards it and poked his head out into the lobby. It was deserted. Even the ushers were missing. Damien checked his watch again. Norman should be here by now. He was about to head outside when something flew towards his face. Damien took a few steps back. It was a bee. He swatted at it. The bug kept buzzing around his head. Damien stood still for a few moments, eyes watching the bee circle. It had a pattern. As it went to circle in front of him again, he brought his hand down, corralling it towards the counter, and then smashing it. He smiled in victory. A moment later, he realized the stinger was in his hand. It felt like his palm was on fire, spreading from the pinprick of contact. A welt formed on Damien's hand where the stinger was. He pinched the spot and removed the stinger. Then he bent down to wash his hands, willing the cold water to flush the pain. He breathed in and out as the icy numbness spread over the sting. Then his eyes found the mirror. There was a different black spot looking at him from the glass. This one had eyes. Damien jumped backwards. The bathroom door slammed again, but no one came in. Damien cursed under his breath. He was tired of this bathroom and its dumb sounds. He was tired of its strange bee problem. He was going home. He would make some excuse for ditching his friends later. He tried to open the door. It didn't move. He had checked for a lock. There wasn't any. Damien tried again, shoving his weight against it. He yelled through the door, saying if it was that man from earlier, he was sorry about the whole Candyman thing. The lights flickered. Damien quieted the alarm on his watch and tried the door again. It still wouldn't move. Blood rushed loudly through his ears, and his face was dripping with sweat. It was just a door. It was just a door. He wouldn't let him beat him. He braced himself and ran at it. The door pushed back just as he pushed forward. He felt the hard smack of metal against his forehead and then the cold grime of the tile floor. He sat up slowly, rubbing his head. The dim lights of the bathroom were growing brighter now. They glinted off the glass, nearly blinding him. The slow hum of electricity grew louder in the tiled space. One of the lights burst out of its plastic casing, raining sparks down on Damien in his blurred vision. The little specks of plastic and light on the floor almost looked like letters. He struggled to read them. The words left his mouth before he could stop them. Candyman. Whether it was the concussion or his own rushing heart talking, the stranger's story had finally gotten inside his head. He braced for the worst. Nothing happened. His hand and head still throbbed, but the restroom around him was quiet. None of the other light fixtures burst. Damien allowed himself to relax a little. It was a strange time for a power surge, but it wasn't entirely out of the realm of possibility. He sighed and laid back down on the cold floor. Someone would force open the door eventually. Maybe he didn't need the weed. This was already a trip. Then the mirror exploded. Damien shrieked. Tiny shards of reflective glass fell down towards his face. Damien brought his hands up, but he wasn't fast enough. The shards of mirror bit and tore at his skin. Damien turned towards the side. He had something thick stuck in his throat. He cleared it several times, but it wouldn't come loose. He tried to cough. Spit collected in his esophagus and he started to choke. He coughed violently, gripping his stomach. His body jerked forward and he could feel whatever had been stuck coming back up again. He opened his mouth wide, ready to release snot or phlegm. Instead, a bee flew out. Up next, Damien receives a visit from the wrong candy man. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Sitting in the dim movie theater bathroom, Damien couldn't take his eyes off the small bee. Its fluttering wings seemed to shimmer, and its round black eyes appeared almost human, thanks to their quizzical expression. He told himself this was ridiculous. There was no Candyman, aside from his chronically late drug dealer. The man who had told him about the supposed hook-handed killer must have been drunk, high, or both. He took a deep breath and tried to compose himself. As he exhaled, he could feel pieces of shattered mirror move within his face. The intensity of the pain made his body shake. His tears made the scratches sting horribly. The tiles underneath him began to vibrate. Damien scooted closer to the countertop. Once again, he threw his hands up to protect himself. A swarm of bees broke through the cheap porcelain. He kept his face shielded and held his breath. Then the sound was gone. The air was still. No flitting about or constantly buzzing wings. Broken plastic, tile, and pieces of mirror littered the floor. But there was no gaping hole where the bees had come through. The tile was undisturbed. Damien poked his head around the bathroom, wanting to make sure he was alone. He wasn't. A soft buzzing was coming from the stalls. Damien pulled himself further under the counter and held his breath as insect after insect circled, then landed, covering one of the stalls in one writhing mass of yellow and black. Damien's breath came out shaky, his heart pounding against his chest, He decided he had to make a run for it, even if the door would still throw him back. He would have to go by the stall that was now a hive, but it seemed worth it for any small chance of escape. He stood up slowly and tiptoed forward. The bees seemed to be calm. He dashed past them and threw himself at the door. It was still locked. a dark, human-shaped form rose behind him, flowing from the swarm of bees like water from a basin, filling up a shape that Damien could not see. They both paused for a moment, each seeing each other. Then the swarm descended on him. Stingers came from all sides, scoring any part of exposed flesh they could find. Damien tried to swap them away, but they clung to his skin they fluttered against his eyes. Fuzzy shapes of searing yellow and jet black, sharp fang-like stingers slid across his corneas. They crawled into his ears and up his nose. He choked and sputtered as some began to crawl down his throat. And then suddenly, the constant churning presence of the tiny legs and vibrating wings began to fall away. He felt a wave of dead bees falling away from his body. Slowly but surely, the wave of death rose to his head. The bees in his ears stopped buzzing over everything. The ones in front of his eyes fell to the ground. He blinked and gingerly opened his eyes. He was sitting in a mass grave of bee corpses. He was shaking horribly, and the pain was catastrophic. But he tried to focus on the bees, on getting home. escaping. Tiny bee bodies were crushed beneath his hands as he pressed down on the floor and got to his feet. He caught a hazy glimpse of his reflection, already red and swelling from a thousand stings. He took a step closer to one of the shattered mirrors. Something was off about his reflection. Damien checked the glass for other signs of life, but he couldn't find any. Then he realized his reflection had stayed where he was rather than moving with him. Or had it? He was struggling to see through the pain. His head was still filled with a now dead swarm sound. It felt like a bee burrowing towards his brain. He shut his eyes, willing himself to remain calm. Then he felt the moist, warm breath of a stranger against his neck. A metal point traced against his back, scoring the skin. He opened his eyes. The broken mirror was devoid of anything. Where there should be at least one man, there was just an empty bathroom. The invisible stranger's breath grew heavier against his skin. He turned around. The air was solid against him. That same metal point now scored his forehead, adding fresh blood to the other wounds. Damien took several slow steps toward the door. He tried to pull on the handle again, but it wouldn't move. He tried to yell and bang on the door, but the air was pushing him back. It moved his body like a person rather than a burst of wind. It lifted him up and slid him along the counter until he fell off and crashed to the tile. Something blunt plunged through his back, into his guts. A rusted hook clawed out of his stomach. Damien gritted his teeth through the pain and pushed towards the bathroom stalls. The hook began to retract through his insides. It came free of him with a wet squelch. He made it to the stall and slammed the door closed. He knew it wouldn't stop what was attacking him, but he needed a new plan. Some way to escape what he really hoped was just a bad trip. He braced for the next attack. But no one came into the stall. He was alone again. There was a faint smell in the air. Blood. And sugar. He needed something to compress against the injury. Damien poked his head out of the stall. The room still appeared to be empty. He beelined for the paper towels... They were mounted next to the only intact mirror in the room. His hands throbbed, his face throbbed, his whole body was a wave of pain, redness, and swelling. There was a tap on the mirror. Damien looked up and saw himself. He expected wealths, a split lip, broken glass. But his face was just a blur. He had a hook for a hand, Bees danced around his head. He swiveled his head to look around him in the real world. There were no bees. He looked back to the mirror. The vision of him smiled and crumpled in on itself. Pain racked his body. He felt something curling and scraping upwards, carving his torso into shapes. When Damien looked down, he saw that it was his own hand, twisting, cutting, Hungry. And all around him, the bees did buzz, ready for their meal. The Candyman may have originated in the film, but his invention stems from both previous urban legends and real life crimes. He's a mixture of fantasy and reality. That makes him a popular, scary story when boys spend the night at each other's houses. The perfect, hyper-masculine answer to Bloody Mary. Folklorist Michael J. Coven makes note of at least six other urban legends that are woven into the Candyman mythos. There are the ties to Bloody Mary in terms of ritual. The method of killing comes from the famous car-based urban legend, The Hook. One woman's response to the Candyman her hair turning white in shock, can also be seen in some iterations of the dead boyfriend. The Candyman is said to be responsible for the rumored razor blades in Halloween candy. Both alligators in the sewers and the hippie babysitter, who cooked her charge thinking it was a roast, are referenced in the film itself. The lead character in Candyman is actually a folklorist herself. But the real-world stories that inspired the film are even more disturbing. The Candyman's iconic style of killing, the hook through the mirror, may have taken its inspiration from an actual crime, a home invasion that exposed both the brutality of the killer and the biases of the Chicago Police Department. Ruth McCoy called the police in April of 1987, saying that someone was trying to break into her house through her bathroom, but McCoy lived in a housing project and the Chicago Police Department didn't prioritize her case. When someone else reported gunshots in the building, they decided to investigate. The police knocked on the door, but they left when they didn't get an answer. They came back the next day, but still wouldn't force the door open, afraid that they would have to cover the costs of replacing it. When another complaint came in at the same address, they finally entered and discovered McCoy's rotting corpse she'd been dead for two days. An investigation of the apartment proved that McCoy's fears were more than founded. The intruders had snuck into the adjoining apartment. They broke down her bathroom wall from the other side before pushing the mirrored medicine cabinet off the wall and entering the house. Eventually, John Hondras and Edward Turner were indicted for the crimes. McCoy's real-life tragedy bears more than a striking resemblance to the Candyman mythos. She lived in a housing project where two strangers broke through her mirror in order to kill her. This likely inspired the film's adapter to toss out the Liverpudlian setting of Barker's original short story in favor of a conversation about race and crime in Chicago's housing projects. Coven posits that the movie is in some ways a fear of white fetishization of African-American culture. The Candyman made the jump from fictional character to urban legend in 1994 when tales of Candyman deaths started appearing on a prominent folklore listserv, a sort of email-based message board before web forum sites took off. The spread of the sleepover game grew from there. Coven suggests that this particular game allows children to experience fear in a setting that is under their control. There's a rigid set of rules they can use to predict the outcome, providing a sense of safety, even in risk. Bill Ellis, one of Coven's sources, states, This kind of face-to-face confrontation with evil has much in common with teens' desire to reach Satan, only to taunt and reject him after confirming traditional religious values. Ellis sees teens as wanting to have a central role in myth rather than just being observers. This makes both the idea of an urban legend and the ensuing ritual so enticing. Anyone can become part of the story by tempting fate. In many ways, all urban legends are about participation. Their appeal partially comes from the illusion of closeness between the listener and the story's victim, which is why a friend of a friend is usually the source of the story. But very few urban legends have such a clean original and fictional source. In the original Candyman film, the folklorist tracks the growth of the Candyman legend through his appearance in graffiti. She exposes him to be just a legend over the course of the story, but he returns to destroy her and eventually integrate her into his own mythos. Ever since his original incarnation, the Candyman has been reinventing himself, growing stronger as each person hears a story. And now, you've heard it too. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back tomorrow with a new urban legend, and on Thursday with a new haunted place. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite podcast Originals, like Haunted Places, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Until tomorrow, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, with sound design by Kenny Hobbs, production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carrie Murphy. Additional production assistance by Maggie and Meyer and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Roche. I'm Greg Polson.